Hello and welcome back to Building Better Basketball, the Basketball Australia Coaches Podcast. I'm Neil Gray, Community Coach Development Manager at Basketball Australia. Today's guest needs no introduction to the basketball public in Australia. Opal's captain, WNBL champion, role model for basketball fans everywhere. We're going to touch on her amazing playing career, which still has lots of time to add to our accolades. But what some people might not be aware of is the power work that Tess is doing on the other side of the court as a coach with the Melbourne Boomers Academy and her She Hoops masterclasses with Majin. Tess, thanks so much for giving up some of your time and welcome to Building Better Basketball. Of course, thank you so much for having me. I'm um, honoured to be on a coaching podcast. Tess, I saw a quote from you, um, I'm not sure how long ago it was from, but it really resonated with me and it said, I just find things every day that fill my cup. I think it's really important away from basketball, you're not solely identifying as a basketball player. Now, I touched the introduction that along with your playing career, you've taken on roles with the Boomers Academy as the manager and the head coach, and then the amazing coaching series that you're, you've been doing weekly with LJ and the, and the She Hoops platform. Is that something that you're trialing alongside playing to see if you like it, or is coaching something that you you want to continue to move into more after your playing career finishes? Yeah, great question. I think I have a passion for um, teaching people new things and I really get an enjoyment out of seeing someone achieve something that they couldn't achieve, you know, just like two minutes ago. It's pretty instantaneous when you're teaching kids like between the legs and how to dribble the ball properly, shooting techniques. So that instantaneous reaction of seeing them um, be able to do something they couldn't do. It does really fill my cup and I love that. And I was studying to be a PE teacher. So I still am studying to be a PE teacher. And I think that kind of goes hand in hand with why I do like coaching so much and why I did want to become a PE teacher. Um, but yeah, the opportunity came up to be the Melbourne Boomers head coach of the academy and I took it with open arms. Um, I really think it's important that you know, we're in a privileged position to be able to play basketball as our job. And I think it's really important that we give back to the sport. I think it's something that a lot of players could do a lot better. Um, but as female athletes, I think we do it pretty well. Um, so, yeah, I just I wanted to give back as much as I could share the knowledge that I had been gifted to me from some excellent coaches. Um, and then the manager of the academy um, got too busy with her other job and they asked me if I'd like to be the manager as well. So um, I've got full control over the academy and I am a bit of a control freak, so I do love it. Um, and, yeah, I'm looking to grow it as big as I can um, with the help of, uh, of um, some of the ownership group as well as the front office staff. Uh, we just recently ran a, a Come Train With Us program, which was like an elite look, uh, sorry, for young aspiring female basketballers an elite and inside look at elite professional basketball um and that was huge a huge success so that's something I would really want to take a step further to um I think it is important though like it's still so basketball orientated that that area of filling my cup I suppose um but it does make you know even signing autographs after the game and having that interaction with the next generation of players coming through um I find really special touched on a couple of times about how you were influenced by a lot of coaches in, in growing up as all elite athletes are. 
what as what have you taken from them i guess along with all the coaches that you've had in your playing career that have influenced your philosophy and i guess what what is the the test match in coaching philosophy at the minute yeah so i think the two main coaches that um i guess influenced how i play even who i am as a person as a leader Definitely Phil Brown at the AIS um, and Guy Malloy, as everyone would already probably know that. Um, I, everyone knows I you know, follow Guy around with it, wherever he's coaching <laughs> and want to play for him. Um, he really bring, brings out the best of me as a basketballer and a leader and a person and everything. So, but yeah, initially, um, Phil, you know, when I was a junior, I just used to um, like not really think about how I was playing. I just used to try one million percent at all times, do anything to win, um I was a bit crazy um but yeah I grew up um with that kind of you know not not a very it was kind of a raw I guess way to play basketball and um I grew up in a junior club where I had the opportunity to play multiple positions so that's also something I'm very passionate about when coaching um so I would play you know anywhere from the point guard to the post player um and I love that so um it did, te- it did develop my IQ for basketball, playing in a whole multiple range of um, positions as a junior. I think that's definitely helped um, in my senior career. But Brownie definitely taught us how to play the right way, um, which was, you know, just how to move without the ball, um, play a very team-branded style of basketball. Um, and then Guy further developed that um, within me and especially – playing point guard for him for a couple of years, just found a whole new respect really for for basketball and for what point guards actually do. Um, but yeah, they both had very similar, I guess, perspectives on basketball that it should be played the right way. I'm in a team style environment. Um, and then I think Sandy also has that very strong um, opinion of how basketball should be play and it played and it definitely fits within how I am as a basketballer. And I think, both all three of those coaches have really harnessed that in me extremely well and it, it does suit the way I play now. But to answer your question, the test imagine philosophy when I'm coaching. So both um, Phil Brown and Guy Malloy had a very strong emphasis on skill development. Um, and you know, you can't if you can't do the basic skills properly, you're not really going to be able to fit very well into any type of system that a team wants to play, you become one dimensional. Um, So that's, I'm huge on skill development. And then I'm huge on, you know, playing a winning brand of basketball, um, which to me is like a team orientated style. But my coaching philosophy is to give everyone an equal opportunity to be the best basketballer they can be. I think growing up, I was gifted with every opportunity. I made every state team. Um, I was in the, Um, NITP program in South Australia I went to the AAS and my career has been pretty smooth from a junior all the way to where I am now Um, but you know my brothers did it extremely different and a lot harder than me so that's um, I guess why I love you know doing the Melbourne Boomers Academy and the Come Train With Us program and She Hoops it's just giving back to the sport but giving everyone a chance who wants to um, to be the best basketballer they can be because at the end of the day, it's all about how hard you're willing to work for it. It's not necessarily if you're the best basketballer at the age of 10. It, it, I really am a firm believer that if you want it enough and and you put the right um, people and supports around you that you can achieve anything you want to.
I'd love to see test modern day test imagine going a million miles an hour just playing it playing at number five in the center <laughs> if uh, if this year if any of our if any of our bigs go down I'm just going to be Sandy she can do it put her at the five. Oh, absolutely not I think I you know battling in the post is such a different um Oh, fitness component I feel like when you know when we have to defend the posts or the posts you know you have to come out and defend us in some different drills that coaches run I find it really challenging so um definitely would rather stay on the perimeter where I'm where I'm used to <laughs> you you touched on how you started with the AIS team as well Tess and and now you've gone through to to where you're at with the boomers but you've you've seen the the WNBL grow from what it started as which was amazing in itself but what it is now is it's night and day compared to, to what it was when you started and that's not just in the product on the court but it's the all the stuff that goes on alongside it to to help the athletes how have you seen coaching change in the WNBL from when you started at the AI, AIS to where you are now with the boomers yeah, it's really crazy. I think, you know, when I was at the AIS, Phil Brown and Dean Kinsman, the other coach I had there, were both full-time. So, you know, we had access to them as much as we wanted. Um, if I went back to the AIS now, I think I would have utilised that a lot more. I don't think, you know, when you're so young, you realise no matter how many past athletes would come in and tell us how lucky we were and we have all the facilities, um, you know, if I got to live at a National Intensive Training Centre now, I think... It would be an absolute dream. But, yeah, I think my first experience probably was playing for the Bendigo Spirit um, when I first came out of that Australian Institute of Sport. And our coach, Bernie Harrower, who's, you know, an extremely successful coach, I don't think I need to say how how um, successful his coaching career is or was, but he also had a full-time job. He um, ran a a paint shop and he owned it so he was he had to be in there all the time and now to now where um Chris Lucas my Melbourne Boomers coach now is a full-time coach um and so we do have that access to him um and Christy uh Christy Harrell who was my point guard when I first started at Spirit she's our assistant coach and although she's not full-time um in pay she's definitely full-time in the commitment that she has to us and um, yeah, they're both just super available whenever we need, which is a huge growth. But I also think, um, you know, we have strength and conditioning coaches now. Um, we have nutritionists. We have all this access to all the service providers, um, psychologists that you need to be at your best and perform at your best. And when I first started in the WNBL as well, we trained at night from 6.30 to 8.30, um, three times a week, whereas now, you know, Melbourne Boomers train in the morning um, and we're we're out of there by you know two in the afternoon, so it really does feel more like a a full time job, and I think that's how it should feel. Um, but yeah, we're definitely a lot more fortunate that we have all things around us now to be as good as we want to be. You mentioned as well earlier about your your brothers potentially doing their sporting career the harder way, I suppose, in in your own words. And for people that don't know, both your brothers are professional sportsmen as well. How did having those two around as a young basketballer and a female shape the kind of player that you've become? I can imagine there were some intense backyard battles at different different sports. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, ben, you know, we would play any sport, whether it was cricket. Um, when it was raining, we used to play hallway cricket <laughs> um, inside AFL, like anything that we could play. But obviously, we spent most of our time playing basketball. Um, we lived across the road from a school, so they had heaps of hoops. And we just used to go there after school every day and battle. And it started off playing me and Jack, my younger brother, versus Ben, and he'd still beat us. Um, and then when Ben moved um, to Adelaide and got too busy with school, uh, Jack and I just used to play one-on-one and we used to go at it. And because I was, you know, 100 million miles an hour, I, I used to, some games I used to get fouled off in juniors by having five <laughs> charges. Like I just used to, and I couldn't shoot. So everyone just used to defend me in the keyway and I would still go in there. Um so, yeah, I used to beat Jack and then one day he beat me like 21 to 3 or something and I was like, I'm never playing you again. But every time we went down to the school, we'd say, see, Dad, and he'd just shake his head because he knew one of us would come back crying either from losing or getting hurt. So I think growing up with two brothers and I also have an older sister and she played sport as well, but um, my parents, you know, I, I never grew up thinking that I couldn't do anything they could do. So I think that has really, and and being so competitive against them has definitely shaped who I am as a person and a player now. So it would be a crime if if we had you and your role as Opal's captain on the podcast and we didn't reflect (laughs) back a little bit on the World Cup with the whole event in Australia, the support that, that you girls got and the journey that you went on from the first game uh, right through to the the last game and being the captain through all of that and I'm going to try and keep it with the coaching focus here as well so with Sandy what was the what was the process like for you as the captain working with the coach what were some of the the things that with a, a little bit of daylight between the the success of the tournament and now that you go back and think I I didn't appreciate what Sandy did in the moment there or I think something that me and Sandy did together as coaching captain really made a difference to how we went. Yeah I think it's really important that the coach and the captain are aligned with their messaging so you know whether I agree with Sandy which I 99% do or um, you know or I don't agree with her or she doesn't agree with me um, I think it's really important that that messaging is aligned to the players um, and so that they are buying into, um, you know, what Sandy's trying to do as well. So that involves definitely having a, you know, hard conversations at times and being very direct and honest with one another. But Sandy and I, Sandy has great relationships with everyone on the team. And I think that's why the Opals are successful and why they were successful at the World Cup. But um, when you're the captain, I suppose it's even more important that you stay aligned with the messaging that your coach has so everyone else is also aligned. Otherwise, you know, we've seen it in many teams before. We've seen it in the Opals. If one person goes astray, it um, is going to ruin the whole team. Um, I also think it's really important as a captain um, and the coach is that not everything has to go to the coach. So as much as – and it's not just me, sorry, um, doing this. It's also Sammy and Steph Um Sammy Wickham and Steph Talbot, who are in the leadership group and who also have these relationships with Sandy. Um, It's really important that not everything has to go through to Sandy. Like there's a lot of things that we can deal with as a leadership group. Um, So she can just focus on coaching 
and Gary and Cheryl and Olaf can just focus on coaching and we can kind of manage the other stuff that's happening off the court. Um, and I think we did that really well. Um, but huge credit to our team as well. It was a pretty easy team um, to lead and we, we have leaders right across the board. So everyone conducts themselves in a super prof professional manner. But something that I've learnt is um, stay aligned with your coach, no matter what, if you agree or not, like you need to represent that to the rest of the playing group. Otherwise that's when fractures can start happening and people feel entitled to, um, you know, have a, think their opinion is better than, you know, something that the coach might be doing. It was obvious for anyone that was watching from the sidelines to see that there was a United front from one through 10 and then with everyone on the bench as well. So I think it's really important there that what you said about the ability of the captain can sometimes be to ease the pressure on the coach. And it's not always the the way that uh, the coach is looking to ease the pressure on the captain as a, a symbiotic relationship. And I think any of the coaches that we have that are coaching those representative teams at a higher level, that's probably something that they need to consider in their relationship with their captain. Are they are they getting something back in the relationship as well? The great Lauren Jackson, obviously on staff at Basketball Australia, and she's a, an absolute legend, both as a as a person and a basketball player. The she-hook platform that that she's put all this power of effort into creating and driving off the back of the the World Cup and the WNBL when um, all the crowds coming. The feeling of being a female basketballer in Australia, I think, is is really, really positive and continuing to gain momentum. And one of the most amazing things that the Masterclass with Majin does, and I encourage everyone to go to the SheHoops website and, and watch them back if they've missed them. Um, there's still one one left, isn't there, Tess? Yeah, yeah, one more on Monday. Thanks, yeah. Neil. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> everyone go watch it, please. Um, and one of the most, because I've sat and watched them, and the most amazing bit is the bit when the, the cameras turn around and you see the the kids kind of practicing the skills while they're while they're watching. And we've COVID for everything rubbish that it brought has opened up this accessibility to be able to do things and reach so many more people. And it's not as foreign or or daunting for people to to sit and watch something and and interact through the screen and uh, full credit to yourself as well. It's not like sitting watching a coaching present, a traditional coaching presentation where it's all very dry and monotone and this is what you do kind of thing. It's very relatable and, and immediately accessible for anyone of any age or gender. So putting your coaching hat back on with that mindset, if a young test Magin was on the other side of the screen watching the masterclasses with Magin and for some reason, she was able to get you at the end of the session. What What is current day Tess telling her to, to work on or give her the best chance to to equal you? Yeah, I love that question. Um, I, I also just want to touch on something you said just a couple of seconds ago about it is for anyone to do. I had a person come up to me after the last Melbourne Boomers game and she said, Oh, I do she hoops. And I was like, oh yeah, like how old your daughter or your son? She's like, no, I do it myself. And I was like, that is so cool. And she's 36. So huge shout out to her. I just thought that was like super cool. It is really aimed at anyone. Um, and I do lay the, try and lay the skills as best as I can from like beginner to, 
getting to expert level. So um, I think that's also really important that we do layer skills and that is something Guy and Phil Brown also did really well. But um, what would I say? I would say to always try 110% first and foremost, because if you're not practicing things at 100%, there's no point practicing them. Um, we wanna be practicing them at game tempo. And of course, there's a time and a place where you need to work on the fundamental you know, the footwork or where you can slow it down. But once you have that perfected, then we really need to be going at 100%. Otherwise, there's no point doing it. Um, and another thing, the main skill area I would tell a young test to work on, which is still something that is probably what I'm working on the most at the moment, is um, ball handling. I think that's so underrated, especially, you know, it doesn't matter if you're just a point guard. Um the better you can handle the ball and the better your footwork is, that's the second one, um, everything else becomes so much easier in the game. And it probably wasn't until I really was a um, professional basketballer that I did start to take those two things a bit more seriously. And I think that separates someone who's, you know, an average WNBL player to someone who is really elite is their ability to handle the ball and their footwork so they can do multiple different moves. And, um, you know, I look at Tiff and Wally on my team, for example, how good they are at handling the ball and getting into tight places and their change of pace and direction um, is phenomenal. So that's, you know, what I'm looking to emulate still today, but that's what I would tell a young test to work on. And that advice that, again, for your your lady that's uh, just absolutely living her best life watching Masterclass with Majin and for the athlete that's seven years old that's just leaving the Aussie Hoops program, I think that that's invaluable. The final question that we ask everyone that comes on the podcast, Tess, if you could ask any coach of any sport and they can be with us or or passed on a question, who would the coach be and what would the question be? I love this question. I've gone with basketball because I had to, um, but I, I I love Greg Popovich. So I would ask him, and I'm big on this anyway. I think it transcends coaching or being a good teammate, being a captain, you know, whatever occupation you're in, um, is how he goes about building connections with his players because I feel like he has such good um connections with different with everyone on his team and you, you know you, you hear Patty Mills talk about him and how he did the indigenous um round with the with the San Antonio Spurs when Patty played there so um I think that's like super special and it I think it is a special type of person that's able to build connections with everyone and um that's something that I am okay at like I I think I'm pretty good at it but I'd like to be you know amazing at being able to have the same type of connection, whether, you know, we share the same interests or not. Um, so that's what I would ask him is what steps he takes to build those meaningful connections with every single player and staff member on his team. I think it's never, that's the, the unique thing about him is it's never him saying, I've got this unique connection with Patty Mills or with Becky Hammond. It's always them going, you guys don't see him. You just see him as the grumpy guy that's given the um, interviews on the sidelines and doesn't want to talk to the reporters and, and things like that. So, yeah, that's a, a really great answer, Tess. And I can testify how lovely a, a person you are as well. So you, oh, you're you. well on you're well on your way. Thank um, you. I um, Yeah, I think 
Pop- Popovich would be a hard person to ask a question to because you don't know what type of reaction you would get. So I'd hope I'd get him on a good day. Tess, I won't put you on the spot and ask you to pick a WNBL winner. I think uh, everyone will be excited to see the Boomers, to see if they can go back to back and, and do it again. And they've got a few teams breathing down their neck. So I know you're still heavily involved at the minute with the run-in. So good luck to the, the Boomers girls. And then I think the most exciting thing is, as we touched on before we started recording, the Opals are back on Australian soil in, in Sydney and you and Jade were down there launching the competition this week and I know that we'll get if not more support at least the same support that that you girls got in the World Cup and we're so excited to to see you back playing on Australian soil again. Thank you Neil I can't wait and yep go boomers and go opals. <laughs>